Hello, this is Tim, the lead pastor of Mosaic Portland, and welcome to the Mosaic Portland podcast. We exist to follow Jesus in authentic community for the world. And right now we're gathering Sundays online uh, to worship together and to open up scripture together. And then after that, we have virtual house gatherings that meet all over our city. And the great thing about these is that you can actually join in wherever you're listening from. We think these right now are the best way to be known, to connect with others, uh, and to be on mission together. They're also where we pray together on Sundays in smaller communities, where we take communion together and debrief what the talk was about and engage scripture more. If you want to find out more information of how to be a part of one in this season, you can find out more info on our website, mosaicportland.org. Now let's go to scripture together as we listen to this podcast. Welcome. It's really good to be with you today, uh, however you're watching. Um, my name is Adam. I'm part of the teaching team here. And we are continuing our teaching called Words Fall Short, where we week after week are looking at the amazing parts of who God is, uh, whether that's his, his glory or his creative power or his holiness, these, these essences of God that, that we just don't have words for and that we stand in amazement of. Uh, today, we're, we're going to continue that, but we're going to do it in a unique way because today is also Palm Sunday. Uh, Palm Sunday represents a time that starts something called Holy Week uh, that the Church of Jesus has been recognizing for hundreds of years. And it's a time where we tell the story and remember uh, Jesus going to Jerusalem and the events that lead up to him being crucified on a cross and ultimately resurrected. And so today is the beginning of that. And we're going to look at a story that we look at each Palm Sunday. And it's, it's a bit familiar. So I want to, want to invite us um, to really listen with fresh ears and be prepared for God to speak to us today. Uh, scripture tells us about itself in Hebrews 4, that it's active and living. And that we can go to these stories over and over again and learn new things. And my hope today, uh, as we look at this story of, of Palm Sunday, is really to prepare us for this week to come, to prepare us for, for Holy Week. Uh, we're going to gather on Good Friday. We're going to gather on Easter Sunday and, and to really step into this story in this season and, and to be ready and to respond by, by really stepping into the weight and the significance of this time and, and what the implications are for us. Uh, that we would step into this story by, by kind of experiencing words falling short for ourselves, that, that as we consider this story of, of, uh, of Jesus and, and going into Jerusalem and facing the cross, that, that we would be overwhelmed with worship and adoration for who God is. And that, that as we open scripture today, we would also learn for ourselves about the character of Jesus and what implications there are for how we live our own lives as we look how he lived. And so if you've got a Bible today, you can uh, turn to Matthew 21. Um, you can go there on your phone or it's going to be on the screen. But, but let's read along this story of, of Jesus entering into Jerusalem. I'm going to start in verse 1. It says this. As they approached Jerusalem and came to Bethphage on the Mount of Olives, Jesus sent two disciples saying to them, Go to the village ahead of you, and at once you will find a donkey tied there with her colt by her. Untie them and bring them to me. If anyone says anything to you, say that the Lord needs them, and he will send them right away. This took place to fulfill what was spoken through the prophet. Say to daughter Zion, see your king comes to you gentle 
and riding on a donkey and on a colt, the foal of a donkey. The disciples went and did as Jesus had instructed them. They brought the donkey and the colt and placed their cloaks on them for Jesus to sit on. A very large crowd spread their cloaks on the road while others spread branches cut from trees and spread them on the road. The crowds that went ahead of him and those that followed shouted, Hosanna to the son of David. Blessed is he who comes in the name of the Lord. Hosanna in the highest heaven. When Jesus entered Jerusalem, the whole city was stirred and asked, who is this? And the crowd answered, this is Jesus, the prophet from Nazareth in Galilee. This amazing story um, that is, is often called Jesus' triumphal entry when, when he is beginning his, his uh, journey into Jerusalem where he knows he's gonna have a, a final time, a final evening with his disciples over dinner and then he's going to be betrayed, arrested, um, go to trial, be sentenced to death, face torture, face the cross, be put into the tomb and ultimately resurrected. This is the, the beginning of that journey. And it begins by fulfilling prophecy of, of him sending his disciples to go get a donkey and to bring it back for, for him to ride into Jerusalem on. And it, it begins in a really ironic way. Um, we, we don't typically think of, of people of great influence and power transporting themselves by a donkey. Um, no offense about donkeys. I just don't think that that's the greatest way uh, to, to uh, travel. Um, in fact, how we travel often says something about us or our, our statute in life. Um, in fact, I have a, a friend uh, who I spent some time with recently who just moved to a new location and he told me his impression of this location is it's pretty affluent, not based on anyone he's met, but simply based on the cars and the driveway. And yet it's very intentional that, that Jesus is entering Jerusalem and, and being hailed as the king, Hosanna to the king in the highest heaven. And yet he's, he's riding on a donkey and he's personifying the, this upside down kingdom, the kingdom of heaven that, that isn't a kingdom of human authority or human power or, or even military authority that many people were expecting at this time, but rather an authority from God the kingdom of God. And he comes in humility riding on this donkey coming into Jerusalem. Um, a, a, a commentary was written about this by a, a person named Adam Clark. And, and he says this, the entry into Jerusalem has been termed the triumph of Christ. It was indeed the triumph of humility over pride and worldly grandeur, of poverty over affluence, of a meekness and gentleness over rage and malice. This beautiful picture of the Son of God, the King of Kings, coming into Jerusalem, low and humble on a donkey. And we're told that there's crowds of people there, and, and certainly there are those there who are convinced of who he is. I mean, just chapters previous to this in Matthew, Peter makes his confession that, that Jesus is the Son of God, and there, there are some there who are his disciples and, and truly believe that he is the son of God. There are others who believe that he is something great, even if they're not sure who or what he is. There are some there that, that believe he is going to be the one who reunites their people as a people group and, and takes back their nation and, and, and becomes the power figure that they've been waiting for. Uh, there are some in Luke's account that we read about this who are, who are his critics, who are religious leaders, who are indignant that he is allowing people to praise him. 
And what we are told that everyone in the city is stirred and they're asking this question, who is this? This scene, this ruckus scene that I imagine this must have looked like was true nearly 2,000 years ago. And it's, it's applicable for us today. That as we think of this man named Jesus, we ask this question, who is this? And so today, as, as we begin Holy Week, I, I want us to look at this story and what it points to about Jesus and, and, and why we follow him, why we worship him, why he is who the Bible says he is. And the first thing that it points out about Jesus is that, that he is the obedient sacrifice. We, we, we know in this story, as he is pursuing Jerusalem, he knows to what end this pursuit is, that, that this is going to end with him being put to death. And, and we know this because later in the story, he prays in the Garden of Gethsemane that, that this could be passed from him. Is there any other way that, that sacrifice can be made for humanity? Yet, he says, not my will, but your will be done. He is willingly stepping into being an obedient sacrifice. Now, I, I, um, I've shared this before. I didn't uh, spend a lot of my early years in church. In fact, we didn't really start going to church until I was in my younger teens. And so my concept of Jesus was pretty vague as a child. I knew he had something to do with being a baby at Christmas and something to do with he and the Easter bunny at Easter. And that was about the extent of my knowledge of, of this person who just seemed to be a, a, a great person in history. And and when I started going to church as a young teenager and God really got a hold of my heart, I had a youth pastor um, who took a few of us aside to begin to disciple us. And the first thing that he wanted us to understand is how we relate to this story of Jesus being an obedient sacrifice, going to the cross and what that has to do with us. So he began to teach me this, this really uh, rudimentary theology of, of, about how we access this and how we understand it. And it was something that, that he called the Roman roads. And I don't think it's unique to him. I think it's actually been around for a while. But, but, but it's basically this progression through Romans. And I, I want to read these three verses because it, it helps us understand the statement of Jesus being an obedient sacrifice. Uh, this first verse is Romans 3.23. And it says, For all have sinned and fall short of the glory of of God. It's a simple verse, a simple statement, and yet it puts all humanity in the same place with the same hum human condition of a being a people who, because of sin, which is anything outside the nature of God that we choose, anything, any motivation, any action, any way of living that's outside the nature of God is, is sin. And, and because of sin, we fall short of the glory of God. This, this scripture has a unique application in the, the series that we've been teaching, Words Fall Short, where we've been looking at the otherness of God week after week. And in this verse, it's pointing to why God is other and how we fall short of his glory. And then it continues in Romans 6, 23. It says, for the wages of this sin is death, but the gift of God is eternal life in Jesus Christ, our Lord. So we, we have this human condition of being separate from God because we choose things that are outside of God's nature. And, and the condition of that is that it, it leads to death. It leads to sacrifice. And it's led to, to Jesus being that obedient sacrifice. And then it continues in, in Romans 10, it says, how we access this. If, we, if you declare with your mouth, Jesus is Lord and believe in your heart that God raised him from the dead, you will be saved. 
these three verses completely transformed the way I saw and understood Jesus as someone who stepped into that need where, where my sin, the way that I choose things outside of God's uh, nature and his character, Jesus stepped in and was the death and the sacrifice for that. These three simple verses that, that maybe for many of us, they are very familiar, are still completely relevant for your life and my life. In fact, I shared them with someone recently who's gonna be baptized and walked them through this reality of why Jesus being the obedient sacrifice matters for you and for me. And he's not just an obedient sacrifice, but, but he is a sufficient sacrifice. He is not just a savior. He is a powerful savior who can meet us in our complete brokenness. Colossians 1 uh, says, says this, starting in verse 19. For God was pleased to have all his fullness dwell in him, in Jesus, and through him to reconcile to himself all things, whether things on earth or things in heaven, by making peace through his blood shed on the cross. So as we look at this story of Jesus riding on a donkey, this gentle king riding into Jerusalem to face the cross, we, we access this story through these massive implications of what this means for you and I, that he is the obedient sacrifice and that he is the one who triumphs. That's, that's kind of the imagery that's happening as he's riding into Jerusalem. People are putting palm branches down and they're using this word, Hosanna. Both of these are associated not just with praise, but praise to someone who is victorious, to someone who is their champion. Hosanna to, to Jesus in the highest. They begin to bring this praise because he is the one who is the power to save. He is the one who triumphs. Um, I, I've had this experience of, of being saved, not just by Jesus in my heart, but, but my body when I was in the ocean one time. And, and uh, growing up in Arizona, I had uh, obviously very little experience with uh, being in the ocean. And there was a time when my wife and I lived near the ocean, would go there often. And one of the first trips that we took, I just spent hours out just swimming in the waves and playing and having so much fun. And, and one of the things that you do when you're used to being around the ocean is you pay attention to your surroundings. And if you're from Arizona, that doesn't enter your mind until it's too late. And, and I had been swimming and, and I didn't realize I was be, being pulled down the shore and, and I was being pulled into a, a bluff of cliffs. And I didn't realize it until I heard the waves crashing against these cliffs and I was terrified. I swam my hardest against this current, trying to get away from it, trying to, to go back to safety. And the more that I swam, the closer I would get and the closer I would get. And I, I just had this realization, like, I can't save myself. I, there's nothing I can do to, to get myself out of this situation. And absolute fear began to overwhelm me. And, and then all of a sudden, out of nowhere, I hear this voice of someone saying, grab my surfing board. And in my mind, it was an angel who had been surfing. It probably wasn't an angel, but it was someone who recognized I was in a place that I couldn't get out of. And they, they came over because they were surfing. They had me hold on to the back of their board and they, they swam me out to, to safer waters. And, and I remember that feeling. I just wanted to hug this random surfer guy, which I, I didn't. Um, and, and it was just that sensation. I've, I've been delivered. Man, I, I was stuck. It looked perilous. I, I couldn't pull myself from that situation. Someone stepped in and deliver me. This is the story of Jesus. 
In fact, he, he says it that clear when he's talking to Zacchaeus. He said that I've come to seek and to save the lost, to come to a people who were caught, to come to a people who were stuck and in a perilous situation with no hope facing death and to seek them and save them. This was true 2000 years ago. This is true today. As we open scripture, as we have this conversation now, this is true. In the ocean, the, the, the uh, undercurrent that we might be stuck in might not be an actual undercurrent with water. It, it, it might be something that we're experiencing in our lives, in our hearts, in our brokenness, in our own ways that we try to, to soothe ourselves and to lead our own lives that are outside of God's character. And we feel that we've wrecked our lives. But Jesus is present. He comes to us gentle. He comes to us humble. He's the obedient sacrifice who has the power to save and to resurrect. It's in him that we find the strength for new life. This king who is obedient, who is triumphant, and who is humble. The humble king, the one who we follow. Gentle and riding on a donkey. Such, such a contrast from the way that we experience or maybe even think of authority. Where authority, in, in, in my mind, and probably this is true for many of us, authority comes from a place of strength or advantage but Jesus came humble and low. There's implications then for, for how he lived his life because as people who bear his name, we are following after him. We are following in his footsteps. Paul writes in, in his letter to the church of Philippi in Philippians, he's, he's directing people to live as Jesus lived and listen to his words. And this is Philippians two, starting in verse three. Do nothing out of selfish ambition or vain conceit. Rather, in humility, value others as above yourself, not looking to your own interests, but each of you to the interests of others. In your relationships with one another, have the same mindset as Christ Jesus, who being in the very nature of God, did not consider equality with God something to be used to his own advantage. Rather, he made himself nothing by taking the very nature of a servant, being made in human likeness, and being found in appearance as a man, he humbled himself by becoming obedient to death, even death on the cross. This is our Jesus. On today on Palm Sunday, where, where we recognize and celebrate the, the, the story of him riding into Jerusalem to ultimately face the cross, we remember who he is. I want to invite us to do just that. I'm, to do a few other things. Um, I want to advise to do three things this week. And, and I know um, we are all busy and have a lot of things vying for our attention. But, but in this holy week, as we're preparing for Good Friday and we're preparing for Easter, I want to invite us to intentionally do three things this week with this story. And it's one, is to remember it. To, to, to call it to memory. And if it's unfamiliar to go to Matthew 21, to read this story and, 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 and to sit with the reality that the King of Kings came riding on a donkey to face the cross for you and for me. And to remember that over and over this week. And then secondly, to acknowledge that, that we are people in need of that. That we are people caught in a current and that we cannot pull ourselves out of and that we are facing peril and that we are in need of his strength and his power. And then three, to respond. To respond in worship, 
to respond uh, by, by asking for forgiveness and repentance, to respond by, by just simply letting words fall short and being caught in awe and wonder of who he is. To remember, to acknowledge, and to respond this week as we celebrate Holy Week and we come together next Sunday to celebrate that, that even though he did go to the cross and even though he did go to the tomb, he did not stay. Let's pray. Uh, Father, we're... Um, we're about to sing and worship and acknowledge your strength in our lives. And, and even if we're not immediately experiencing that strength, we, we still know you are the source, source of saving power. And, and today we, we turn our full attention to you. And as we sit with this story, we, we are people who are in awe of who you are, that you are great, you are powerful, you are holy, you are creator of all things. You are, you are all that and you sent your son to face the cross for us. And so today we, we have hearts of adoration for that reality. And we love you and we thank you. In your name, amen.